big hello to those who are watching or joining us online if you're listening. We just want to give you a very warm welcome. We're so glad to have you part as part of our Connect Church family. And if you're ever in our area, we would love to have you come and visit. Uh, visit. Wouldn't we, church? Come on, let's just say hello to those that are out, out there. I came across a passage in my readings this, this week. And as I listened to the passage, it so stirred uh, my heart. And I want to preach it and teach it to you today. And I'm just going to say it's going to be more than one part. So this is possibly a two-part or maybe, I, I don't know, I haven't worked it out yet, but possibly a three-part sort of message as we walk through it, mainly because there's so much in this text. There's so much uh, in this passage that, that, that we can squeeze out for our uh, lives. And so if you have your Bibles with you, you can uh, turn in them. I'm actually going to be speaking from the New Living Translation for this passage. I'm going to read out some of the uh, usual translation others would have. So it's on the screens if you want to read it uh, from there. But I'm reading from Titus chapter 2, verse 11, and it goes like this. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. How many know that's good news right there? And we are instructed to turn. Everybody say turn. We are instructed to turn from godless living, that's awkward, and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave His life to free us. Friend, I want you to know that today. He gave His life to free us. If you're here today and you're bound up, if you're here today and you're locked up, if you're here today and you're going, man, I, I just, my life is, I, I feel like I'm, you've got to understand, He gave His life to free us, to free you and to free me. To free us from what? From every kind of sin. You might think, well, God doesn't know, man, what I'm struggling with. Whoa, man, he's, he doesn't know about that. Listen, from every kind, there, there's nothing that's not on his list. There's nothing that he's got, oh, no, I can't handle that. Every kind of sin. Why? To cleanse us and to make us his very own people. That's kind of cool. Totally committed to doing good deeds. And then it says, you must... Teach these things. So I took that like a personal thing to me. You must teach these things and encourage believers to do them. Because how many know if we just hear the word and we don't do the word, it makes really no difference. We're to be ones who not just hear, because if we just hear it, the Bible says we deceive ourselves. We're to be not just hearers, but doers. Tap your neighbor and say, preacher talking to you. We got to do it. And so here we go. So it starts off in Titus 2, verse 11. It says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. Now, if you've been here for a while as part of the church here, you know we would have talked about grace. What is grace? What is, what is this grace of God? It's simply this. The unmerited or undeserved. We don't deserve it. It's, it's undeserved favor of God. That's what grace is. That's, what, that's how we describe what grace is in a simple form. And, and, and it's telling us that this, this grace of God, this unmerited, undeserved 
favor has been revealed. In other words, it's been made known. We can, we can know about it. And that is part of the good news of the gospel. Gospel, the word gospel, when people talk about it, simply means good news. I want to tell you, what's in the Bible is not bad news. It's good news. Come on, somebody. It's good news for us. And it's part of what makes up this good news of the gospel. Because Ephesians 2 verse 8 says this. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith. It's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. In other words, this is not something you can do. This is not something you can do anything about. It's something God has done. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift. Everybody say a gift. It's a nice present for you. It's a gift of God. Listen, not by works that anyone can boast. Because I want to tell you, I, I, I want to tell you, you, you've got to understand all of this, this uh, salvation, this grace, it is from God. It's not from us. It's not about something you can do that you can boast. Hey, I'm a next level Christian. You're down here, but I'm, man, you should look at me, uh, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at, look at, look at, look at what I can do. Look at how awesome I am. Look at how I serve. Look at how I do. No, no, friend, this, this, this salvation we have is not something that we can do ourselves. Come on, somebody say Amen. We've got to understand this is a gift. This grace is a gift uh, uh, from God. It's a grace that turns sinners into saints. I love what Augustine said. He said, the grace of God does not find men fit for salvation, but makes them so. It makes them so. It's a gift from God. And here's the beautiful thing about this amazing grace, how sweet the sound, is that it's free. It's free. Now, it's not, it's not free because it's cheap. It's not, it's not free because it's somehow uh, uh, incomplete. It, it is free because someone else paid the price. Someone else paid the price. Jesus paid the price on the cross of Calvary. He bought our freedom. He died our death that we might live his life. He paid the price. And so when we think about this grace, it's so perfectly perfect, so completely complete. And how many know we need the grace of God? About four of you. I said, how many know that we need the grace of God? That's why I said yesterday morning in my prayer time, I said, Lord, I, I, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, today. Today, so far, I haven't grumbled at anybody. I haven't had a bad attitude. I haven't been angry. I haven't had a lustful thought. I haven't had a struggle in this area or that area. I thank you, Lord, that I haven't, I haven't been angry with my wife. I haven't, uh, definitely haven't driven off a cliff. I haven't, I, 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 Lord, I, I thank you for all of these things that you've done in my life. Thank you for your grace so far. But in a moment, I'm going to get out of bed and I'm going to need a lot more help. Come on, how many prayed that prayer even this morning? I mean, it's just like, I'm going to need a lot more help. We need His grace, His unmerited, undeserved favor. And that's why we, we come in here and we, we sing. If you're new to church and you go, man, they're a little bit excited, these guys. It's, it's because we're, we're not trying to do hype here. We're, we're just going, thank you, Jesus. You, you, you changed us. You, you delivered us. You, you turned our life around. And we, we just can't help but be, be, be thankful for it. So it says, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. But then the scripture changes a little bit in the next verse. And then it says, and we, 
And we are instructed to turn. Everybody say turn. turn. Come on, say it like you mean it. Now turn. We are instructed to turn from what? From godless living and sinful, it even sounds better when you say it like that, sinful pleasures. It says we. We are instructed. Who's we? Who's we? Is it everybody? Is it everyone out there in the world? You better live like this. Who is we? Well, you've got to understand the we that it's talking about there is, is to believers, to followers of Christ. It's to disciples. If you're here today and you're not a church person, you don't go to church, maybe someone's invited you along. You've got to understand the New Testament was written in letters. It was, they call it books, like turn to the book of Titus, but it's really a letter. It's a letter written to a group of uh, uh, churches or a specific people. And so the letter of Titus is written to a specific people. It's written to believers. It's written, this is, this is not Christianity trying to put its standard on everybody right around the world. Everybody should do this. That's why, my friend, you can't legislate holiness. You can't legislate, oh, well, we'll have a Christian guy. No, you can't legislate holiness. You just can't do it. Well, we need to understand this we that it's speaking about is speaking to believers. It's speaking to followers of Christ. And when it says we are to instruct or we are to turn from godless living and from, from sin, it's talking to us. Disciples of Jesus Christ. And really what it's saying when you, when you think about it, when it, really what it's saying is simply this, we've got to live different. Yeah. We've got to live different. In fact, it's actually saying you should live different. There be, should be something that marks us out, that marks us out as different to what everybody else yeah. is doing. We should be different. In fact, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, I don't have it to put on the screen, uh, but if you know it, it says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world. The world has a pattern, it has a, a way of living. Do not conform to that pattern, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, it's saying you've got to change how you think. If you want to follow Christ, if you want to follow Him, we've got to change the way we think. Why? Because even there's a scripture, I don't know where it is, I don't have it in my note, it's easy enough to, to find, but there's a scripture that talks about God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts, they're, they're, they're higher. They're, they're, it doesn't matter how high you think your thoughts are, God's thoughts are higher, they're bigger. They're be in other words, God thinks better than we. How many know God's got more of a handle on situations than we do? Sometimes when you want him to say yes and he's saying no, you've got to understand there's a reason for it. His ways are higher. Come on. His thoughts are higher. Well, God didn't answer my prayer. You've got to understand no's an answer. Come on, someone. I didn't even say that in the last service. You got that for free. They're saying we've got to change how we think. You do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, we have to change how we think. That's what God's Word does. That's what the Bible does. See, this Bible is written not just to inform us. It's written to transform us. Can I, can I hear an amen? God's desire is that we would be transformed, that we would, that, that we would change, that we would live, live different. 
See, we've been instructed in this passage that we can't live how everybody else does. And, and please understand, this is, this is quite important. Please understand, God is not saying that because he's trying to be tough on us. He's not like, well, everyone else can have the fun, but it just sucks for you, you can't. <laughs> no, that's not why. I mean, that's how some people think about God. But that's not what he's saying. He's not, I understand he's not saying this thing. He's not saying we're going to live different because, because he's being tough on us. It's because he has something for us to do. There is a reason for us being here. As Aldrin said in his uh, uh, preaching, he just understood as you do when you're flying off a cliff. His wife's still not talking to him. I mean, she's, she's just... She was at the information desk. She's after the service. Go and ask her what happened. He, did, he didn't tell you he did a 360 before he went off the cliff <laughs> as well. Friends. He saved for something. Yeah. So you've got to understand, this is not because God's trying to be tough. Remember, God did not simply save us from something. He saved us for something. He didn't just save us from sin. He saved us for destiny. You have a plan. He has a purpose for your life. Come on, somebody. And, and it's up to us to lay hold of it. That's why we've got to live different. We can't do what everybody else does. You're saved for purpose. See, God changes you so you can change the world. So we're instructed to live different. Why? Why should we live different? Well, I like what William J. Tom said. He said, he said, here's a reason. Be careful how you live. Are you careful? Be careful how you live. Be careful. Be careful. Everybody say, be careful. Come on. Be careful. Be careful. Some of you are not. Some of you aren't. It says, be careful. Just a preacher preaching. I love you. I'm trying to help you. Be careful how you live. As you may be the only Bible that some people ever read. Come on, somebody. See, I think even the world expects us to be different. Even the world. You, you hear the world. They'll, they'll say, oh, Christians, they're like this. They're Christians. They're like the Christians should be different. You know, I've, I've had people say that to us. You know, Christians should live like this. And why do Christians do this? And why do Christians do that? The world expects us to live different. It's not just us. The, the world expects that, that, that followers of Jesus should live different. Brennan Manning said this. And if you've been around for a while, you would know even the album that this appears on. But it says this. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and deny him with their lifestyle. This is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Friends, I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not, if we could do this ourselves, we wouldn't need Jesus. If we could do, I'm not talking about, hey, we're going to live perfect all the time. That's how some people think. We've got to do it. But the reality is we can't. We're sinners saved by grace. We've got to understand that's part of who we are. This is not about perfection. I've said here, and someone left the church over it a while back. I just made it as a statement. I said somebody, just preaching like this, I just said, you know, people say that the church is full of hypocrites. And then I said, there's always room for one more. Come on. 
Now, you know what I'm saying. I'm just saying, hey, all of us are human. All of us have got stuff that we're working with. As good as you look when you come to church. It's pretty. It's all that makeup you put on, and that's just the guys. But I just don't know. Oh, pretty is, well, whatever it is. Whatever it is you look at. Because we can turn up here, hallelujah, glory to Jesus. But God knows what's going on on the inside. We can fake it till we make it. But, but friends, we're all dealing with stuff. Don't look at me like that. You, we've all got issues. Come on, that's, that's true. We've all got stuff going on. So I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about that there should be something of Christ that marks our lives. A, a, a humility. That, that ability to uh, forgive our enemies. To love those who don't love us. There, there should be something that marks our life. There should be something that, 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 that makes us different than the rest of the world. That marks us. See, how you live will influence others. It does. It will influence others. So, so that's why the scripture is saying, so turn. Turn, turn from godless living, turn from sin. It's really just saying, put God first. Put God first. I, I remember what Pastor Andre Olafier said. He said this, when I, I find that when I don't put God first, I find I don't put him anywhere. I don't put him anywhere. Isn't that true? Yeah. So all I'm asking you today is where are you putting him? Where are you putting him? Is he first place in your life? Now, I, I, I realize as I preach this that this could be an ouch moment. It's like, oh, that's awkward. I, I realize that. And, 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 you know, sometimes people say, well, pastor, I love it when you preach on grace. It's nice. It's nice. But, you know, this whole turn from godless living stuff. You know it's going to be a good message when I spit. Come on. I mean, it's just like, I'm getting fired up. But this, this godless, you know, turn from godless, a bit harsh, mate. A bit harsh. Makes me uh, uncomfortable, Pastor. Good. See, here's the thing. Comfortable Christianity is a compromised Christianity. See, I want you to understand that church is more than sitting through something on Sunday. It's about standing for something on Monday, standing for something on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, and Friday. Come on, if we're going to clap, let's clap. Let's, come on, it's about standing for something. It's not about just doing our little thing on Sunday. Yeah, I got that out of the way, clipped the ticket. Now, this should affect us in every part of our life. See, Jesus didn't die. He didn't go to the cross. He didn't shed his blood. He wasn't spared. He wasn't whipped or beaten so you could come to church. All of that happened so that you could be the church, so that you could change the world, so you could impact those who you come into contact with. So maybe today, maybe today this is, this is, this is a shake-up or a wake-up call. 
And really, I'm asking, what will it take to shake you? What will it take to wake you? For Aldrin, it was driving off a cliff. <laughs> it was two stories. I like it. It was two stories high. He'd be really nervous if it was three. But I would say, yeah, I just drove off two stories high. But it suddenly made him think about his life and where he's at. He suddenly had a, a, a wake-up call. What will wake you up? Yeah. What will shake you up? Yeah. You know, in the fire service a few weeks ago, we went to a call on Pycock Hill, and a lady had driven off the top of Pycock Hill. And she'd stopped. She was stopped by a bush, a little bush. Her car just, and it stopped. How many thank God for bushes and burning bushes and all that type of thing? I mean, it's just bushes, bushes can be handy. The firefighters, they always say this. They always do this when these type of things happen. She should go out and buy a lotto ticket. Now, what she should be doing is thanking God. Saying, thank you, Jesus. Because of your great mercy. I'm here today. What will wake you up? What will cause, what will shake you up? What will cause you to see things differently? Now, I don't know about you, but I believe in miracles. I believe in the power of miracles. I don't think there are people who say miracles stopped and ceased with the apostles. I don't believe it. Why? Because I serve a God who can do more than all I can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. It seems crazy to me that, 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 that people would say miracles don't happen. I believe miracles happen, not just because the Bible teaches it, because I've seen it. I've seen miracles happen, and, and they don't happen to everybody. There's no magic formula. It's not like, I mean, even Jesus didn't go through all the hospitals healing every, everybody. Some people got healed. Some people didn't get healed. I don't know all the reasons. That's what makes it miraculous. It's not order, ordinary. It's extraordinary. It's, it's, it's not just, just super. It's supernatural. And I don't know why things happen, and why he heals some and not others, but I believe in miracles. Yeah. That miracles can happen. A few weeks ago, in this, both of our services, we prayed. Pastor Ian was leading, and we, we took a time, and he, he stood up here and he said, look, we've got someone, he's living in Australia. He's had a terrible accident. We couldn't tell you what it was at the time, and we knew um, the mum was flying over to Australia. She comes to this church, and this young man also used to come to this church, and the mum's actually in this service right now. But we knew that they're flying out. It was a very urgent thing. And, and Ian got up, and he, he asked us all to, to pray. We, we also knew that this person, because of this accident, his vision had been affected, could possibly go blind. And so we took a few moments, as we do in the course of our services, and said, Lord, just move. Lord, touch that. That kid, I, I couldn't tell you what happened then, but I can tell you, just out of respect for the family, but I, but I can tell you now what, what happened. What I didn't know, what you didn't know is that this young man had been stabbed in the face with a knife, and the knife had penetrated and gone right through his face and into his brain. So you can understand how serious this was. And I, I want to tell you now, if you don't like gory stuff, block your, block your eyes because 
if you don't believe I'm serious or how serious this was, I've got an x-ray from the chap who I just, if we can put that x-ray up now, so you can see how deep that went into his face. You can go to the next slide just to give a different perspective of how dangerous. Can I, can I just say, when we ask you to pray for a couple of minutes and the service, you know, we might take a time and do that. Can, can you make sure you really do pray? Because that could be your kid. That could be your son. That could be your friend. Sometimes we just go, oh, well, we're just doing it. Oh, we always do that. Oh, Lord, yeah, yeah, just touch him, touch him, touch him. Can I just say we could be dealing with someone who's just been got a knife in their head. So I, I want you to, when we pray, we're, we're meaning pray. Pray because it can change things. It can, it can turn circumstances around. So the surgeons worked on this young man for seven Seven hours, but not only did the surgeons work on him, God worked on him. Not on the the young man's brain, but on his heart. And we were not sure of where his faith was at at the time we prayed, but I think we we know now and have come to know that he was, you know, not following God. He used to come here as part of the church, but had whatever, when he had gone over there, drifted away, or I don't know all the reasons behind that. But here he was, and so we were praying. We didn't know whether he will live or he will die. But miraculously, he survived. He survived. And on a recent post on Facebook, he wrote on the 28th of April, 2018, just a couple of few weeks ago, he said, I almost lost my life. I was the victim of an unprovoked attack where I was stabbed in the face and the blade penetrated my brain. I was rushed to the Royal Brisbane Hospital where a team of surgeons operated on me for seven hours straight, fighting to save my life. In the end, they were successful. They were able to remove the blade from my head and the operation went better than they expected. And the doctors and nurses cannot explain how I survived this ordeal. Then he said, every day now, everybody say now. Every day now, I wake up. Every day now, because of this is what, what's happened. Every day now, because of what I've just gone through. Every day now, I wake up. It's woken me up. Every day now, I wake up and feel blessed that I'm alive. and walking around doing normal activities. And then he said this, I urge every one of my friends never to take for granted, never to take life for granted as you could lose it in a second. And he said, I'd like to thank all my family and friends. I would also like to thank the medical staff at Royal Brisbane Hospital and God for saving my life that day. Pastor Anita had written to him and he, he wrote back because we were getting permission to share the story, and he said, Pastor Nita, mum said that you guys have been praying for my vision. Remember, he could go blind. You were praying for my vision to return, and I just wanted to say that it is almost fully healed. Doctors said it would take a year for it to come back, but it's taken just under a month. Come on, somebody. Give God some praise. Give God some honor. Give God. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. When we asked if we could share the story, he said, I know. 
He said, I know God has saved me for a reason, and I feel one of those reasons is to spread the word on how he saved my life. We're hearing from his mom, who's in the room right now. Last night, we're aware that the church that he connected to, he can't fly back to New Zealand at the moment because of the, the injury. But he connected him with the church. And last night, I think, or the night before, the young adults pastor led him to Christ. And he's found Jesus again. What will it take to wake you up? At the end of the last service, I stand at the door as I did, and a lady walked out, and she was weeping. I said, what is it? She said, that young man was the man who brought me to this church. He was the one who invited my son and myself. I am in this church today because of that young man. Somehow it got, a, got away. What will it take to wake you up? What will it take to shake you up? What will it take you to, to turn from godless living? To change the way you live? See, every now and then we, we need a wake-up call. See, we can get comfortable in our, our, our faith. It's awfully quiet in here. We can get comfortable. We can get complacent. We can get familiar because I'm just here to remind you today, I'm, Pastor Adam, I love you. I'm trying to help you. Yeah. I'm just trying to, to say don't mess around with, with, with sin because you've got to remember sin is not a toy. It's a tyrant. Right. It will destroy you. Yeah. If you give the devil an inch, he will be your ruler. Yeah. He will rule over your your life, you've got, well, what will it take to wake you and shake you? To turn from godless living. Don't mess around with sin. Don't walk away from God. You could end up literally with a knife in your head. What will it take to wake you. If you're here today and you're saying, man, I've got to change, I've got to change, I've got to change, I've got to change. Listen, can I be honest with you? Someone once said, life doesn't have a remote. Get up and change it yourself. We wait for somebody else to do it for us. We wait for somebody else to, to jump in, but friends, we, we have to do something. Tap your neighbor and say, preacher talking to you. You've got to do something. You've got to do something. You've got to do something yourself. You've got to move towards God's grace. We've got to seek his faith. Not just his hand. See, we've got to do something. See, you've got to understand we have an enemy. We have an enemy, the the devil, and the Bible says he comes only for this reason, to rob, kill, and destroy. Only for that reason, no other reason. But here's something I want you to understand about our enemy, the devil. The enemy doesn't have to destroy your faith. All he needs to do is divert your focus. I'll say it again. The enemy doesn't have to destroy your faith. All he's got to do is divert your focus, get you to take your eyes 
off him, get you to take you, your, your eyes off the promise, to get you to take your eyes off his goodness, get, get you to take your focus off his promise. If he can, if he can divert your focus, if he can cause you to doubt, he can take you out. And divert your focus. If he can get you to lose sight of God's promise, if he can get you to lose sight of God's promise to you, he, he will make your walk a wonder. And many people are wondering. Some have wandered away. And found themselves in a wilderness. Are you wondering today? Has he diverted your focus, robbed you of the promise? And you found yourself wandering, wandering in a wilderness, maybe feeling far away from God. We'll use this as your wake up call. Everybody say, wake up. Wake up. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 14 says, wake up, sleeper. Wake up, sleeper. Wake up, you who slumber. Wake up, sleeper, and rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. Oh, I said a few weeks ago, because he rose, we can rise. Because he got up, we can get up. Oh, I'm down. No, get up. Oh, I'm going down. No, get up. Because he rose, you can rise. You can stand. You can get up. Wake up. Wake up out of your slumber. Rise. Let Christ's reflection shine on you. That you might make a difference to others but then goes on to say be very careful not just careful be very careful friends are you very careful you careful how you live you careful what you do you careful what you look at you careful how you respond to people be not just be careful be very careful be very careful then how you live how you live, how you and I live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Well, right now you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to get right with God. You might be here and you say, I don't know what the future holds for me. But I don't want to tell you, I know who holds the future. Come on, someone. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds your future you have an opportunity right now to go I'm done with godless living it's his turn you have an opportunity right now to turn to turn so I'm not going to do that anymore I'm turning I decided to follow Jesus no turning back no turning back I'm going to turn I want to say this 
Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. To a God who loves you and cares for you and died for you. You can know Him today. Because here's the thing. He was pierced for your sin. Pierced for what sin? Every kind of sin. Nothing's left off the list. Every kind. You, you, you've got it. That sin today, it's covered. But here's the thing, my friend. No God, no peace. No God, no peace. You don't have God, you have no peace. But you know God, you will know peace in your life. Friend, maybe you're here today and you realize you've been living godless. Oh yeah, you've understood the grace. Yeah, Grace and truth come through Jesus Christ, not just grace. Grace and truth. We can't receive grace without understanding truth. If you're here today and you go, man, someone sent in my file. Has, man, I've been living godless. Maybe you've been living compromised. Maybe you've been living just like, oh, just doing comfortable Christianity. Yeah, I've got my tickets clipped. I'm getting into heaven. But, I, but, but I've been living below that which God would have me do. And it's time. I've, I've been sleeping. I've been slumbering. It's time to wake up. It's time to turn. It's time to change. To get right. Right with God. Because remember, when it says wake up, when it, when it says turn, it's not talking to unbelievers, it's talking to believers, it's talking to you, it's talking to me. It's saying stop it, live different, turn from what you're doing. Every head bowed and every eye closed in this auditorium. This is an opportunity, an opportunity to get right with Him. I don't want anyone looking out of respect for other people, please bow your head. Do not be looking around. But I want to ask you, if you're here today and you know, man, shoot, this is me. I need to get right. I need to sort my stuff up. I, I need to sort myself out. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I need, you just know, you, you, Man, I've been doing life godless. Yeah, I follow him, I do it, but I'm, I'm doing it godless. And you know, man, I need to turn today. I need to get right today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you and you want to, you're saying, Pastor, please pray for me, my situation. Would you just put your hand up wherever you are? I'm, I'm not looking, I'm just between you and God. It's just like, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. time to stop fooling around. It's time to stop messing around. You know you've been living slack. You need to get right with God here today. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray, Lord Jesus. understand that you have the ability to break every train to break every yoke 
of slavery over our life. So God, I pray right now for every person who put their hand up. For every person here in this place who's been feeling trapped and caught. Father God, I pray just to put their hand up and and right now acknowledge their need for for God to move in their situation, their, their, their need for God to move in their life. I would pray right now that the God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine would move on their situations. We pray that chains be broken. We pray that addictions be, 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 be gone in the name of Jesus. We pray uh, that sin be dealt with. We, we, we pray right now for freedom to come upon their lives because of the name of Jesus, because of God's great grace. Today we turn to you. We turn to you. We put you in first place. We ask you, Spirit of God, to help us follow you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, you're not just saved from something. You're saved for something. Go out. Make a difference. Change the world.